Before we get started today, wanted to remind you guys that the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny is fueled by Gatorade. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Also, Black History Always is a new podcast in partnership with The Undefeated that takes a deep dive into the stories of now and tomorrow from a Black aperture that will empower and inspire. It's hosted by Clinton Yates. Rate, review, and follow Black History Always. Finally, ESPN Plus subscribers. Join an ESPN Plus fantasy football league for a chance to win $250,000. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 and older. No purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. Welcome back to the Mina Khan Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts is triggered by hard knocks. He's also triggered by the doorbell and pretty much anyone with a delivery. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. I thought that one would get a laugh from Steven Ruiz. I was really proud I, I of it. Did you snicker? Okay. I, it, it was a bit of a thinker. I had a, I, it took me like two seconds, but once I got it, there's that levels. was a good job. It's, there's levels. levels. Hard I lo- Knocks. I love it. We're, de- we're taping on Tuesday. Hard Knocks debuts tonight. We watched the pre-promo um, on Highly Questionable this morning, and nothing happens, but the music is so dramatic that you re- you remember, oh, right, Hard Knocks music can make, like, dudes stretching look cool. Duh, 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 duh <laughs> star. And it's like there's really, you know, for all the usual Cowboys insanity, because Dak – I guess he's like hurt or whatever. He's resting his shoulder, but there's not the drama. I think that you sometimes associate with the Cowboys. I mean, I'm still going to watch. Yeah. And you get uh Lave Schreiber uh, yes. narrating. Yes. Giving me the music. I don't care. It could be like the Bengals, the, <laughs> the worst NFL team ever. I'll, I'd watch it. Um, speaking of the Bengals. No, actually I, I was going to make a joke about talking about the uh, Sam Ellinger, um, Jacob Eason quarterback battle, which we actually broke down today in detail on NFL Live because that's where the Colts are. Next week is the AFC South. Steven, I've been putting this division off like every week, like over and over with Field Gates is going to come on. And it really like I almost feel like I should put it off until like literally the week before the beginning of the season because there's so much. It's just the craziest division. I also kind of wish... We had preseason to talk about the NFC South because, like, I think Jameis Winston's going to win. He's got a lockdown for the Saints, but, like, I'm not sure. I mean, I, like, let, I mean, let's just start with the Saints. Like, where is your head at when it comes to the Jameis Winston-Taysom Hill quarterback battle? Because you DM'd me that you were watching Taysom's starts, which incredible commitment to the show. <laughs> um, I'll say that first. Yeah, I I have to say I think Jameis is going to win just based on the lack of training camp hype we've heard about Hill. Like if mm. if Hill was just doing okay, I feel like we'd hear hype not Great just point. from like Saints reporters, but Sean Payton would be doing victory laps. Yeah, he would be he would be throwing it in everyone's face. Like he wants this to happen so bad. <laughs> it's just it's it's not going to happen. That's my little preview of what I'm going to say well, about the Saints. I think. So the, the, the Saints have uh, actually have a lot of drama around them, um, not just the quarterback competition, but the speaking of Sean Payton, the fact that Michael Thomas like delayed his surgery. I, I hope I'm representing it correctly. And Payton came out and said, um, 
it was like weird to him. I, I don't want, again, I, I don't have his words in front of me, but he's basically questioned the decision because it means that uh, Thomas is going to be out several weeks to start the season. And, you know, starting there, like, I actually think that makes it more likely that Winston is going to start, not just because Taysom Hill might actually be needed as a pass catcher, but because when you look at the, um, the depth behind Thomas depth feels like the wrong word. It's so thin. Like you're talking about your, your one and two are probably Traquan Smith and Alvin Kamara. And when we watched Hill last year, he bare, he basically ignored Alvin Kamara because he would just kind of run instead of checking it down and was incredibly dependent on play action passes to Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, like who's been like on the verge of breaking it out now for several years. I think the way you optimize him is, his ability to, I guess, like ideally take the top off and Taysom Hill can't get the ball there. So the people that they have, like the person, the very, very thin personnel they have, I, I would think favors Winston, but that's a pretty sad case. Yeah. Right. When you said that there was just a thunderstorm starting <laughs> in DC, very <laughs> ominous. And I think uh, that tracks like, I, I don't know, but there's like some Marquez, Callaway hype. I've, I've seen, seen on that. Twitter I've seen that. Like fantasy nerds. <laughs> I don't know if I buy it, but I, I did. I it did make me watch like some of his targets, and he has he has some juice. He has a little bit of juice. He's like a return guy. But if Michael Thomas isn't here, forget about Taysom Hill. Like, how does any quarterback make this work? Yes, I don't think they do. And like you said, Taysom Hill was just zeroed in on Michael Thomas. Like, forget about Alvin yes. Kamara. I don't think Taysom Hill realized there was anyone else on the field besides him and Michael Thomas, based on how he navigated the pocket at times. But if he's not there, the offense, how it was designed last year, I don't know if it's going to evolve because it has there has been an offseason. But based on how it was designed for him last season, it just doesn't work without Thomas. For Hill, you mean? For Taysom Hill? Yeah, for in Hill. The, in the four Hill. games we started, which were really weird. Like, don't pull statistics from those games, guys. Like, no. they don't mean anything. I mean, there was that weird he, – he was in the Denver game where, like, they were playing, you know – what's his name? Kendall Hinton at quarterback. Mm -hmm. So he was in that game. It was like one of the most disgusting football games I've ever seen. No offense to Kendall Hinton, by the way. Um, and then he had the two Falcons games that were weird. And then like some of the yards are thrown off because there was like a couple underthrown deep balls that were weirdly caught. You remember that? Like the yes. Sanders. I mean, it's just like a really weird, um, you know, I, I think it, by the way, speaking of fantasy, I traded Adam Troutman last year and I am miserable about it because he also has a case for being a number one in this offense. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, I, I want to be clear, like we're not, this is not like a, I'm not saying James is, is going to light the world on fire or that he even should be an NFL starter. Although based on, you know, what we saw from him over the last few years, he's probably like the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, I guess. But it is a relative thing. I think the only like concern I'd have is that without Michael Thomas, Winston's going to look so bad that they might end up like ping ponging between them. Um, here's the depth chart. I'm just going to read it. So after Thomas, you got Traquan Smith. You mentioned Marcus Callaway, um, Deontay Harris, who I think is hurt or suspended. Yes, maybe. Oh, he had a arrest in the summer, so he might be suspended. Juwan Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Chris Hogan of lacrosse fame, would you? I don't even know if they have the draft capital trade for James Washington, but you gotta imagine they're on the phone. Uh, I mean, you, 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 I don't know. How do you go into the season with this receiver group? Like, I guess you just 
bank on Thomas coming back and then Thomas comes back and stays healthy and then returns to form because we haven't seen that in two years now because he didn't really he was banged up last year he was good when he played but I don't know it just becomes a little dicey I think the one thing I will say is that I like Adam Troutman I think only because I traded him I also liked him at Dayton (laughs) it was a desperation yeah I like him at Dayton too he was my tight end number one and I watched I watched his targets too and he had one route that he ran on it might have been Deion Jones it was a Falcons linebacker but it was as good of a route as I've seen from a big tight end like that so I think he has something to him I I don't know if it's going to take another year or two before he finally breaks out Hmm. but I think he's a piece they thought they could build the passing game around if they had time like if they had a Michael Thomas to lean on this year Hmm. but they're not going to have that and now I'm wondering what this offense looks like because you made the argument that this benefits this might benefit Jameis more but I wonder if Sean Payton just looks at it and is like we're not going to have a passing game we have to commit we have to go wholesale wishbone on time, the QB baby. run game yeah right I, I and honestly like I like I'm very steadfastly in favor of Jameis Winston right I, I don't think Taysom Hill's a real NFL quarterback but honestly, like if you made that argument, I might buy it. Like you can that make might that be argument. the way to run this offense. I think yeah. part of my concern about, I guess my suspicion of that is that there's two things. Hill fumbles it a lot, which like, you know, we, as much grief as we give Jameis for the turnovers, deservedly, Hill had the third most fumbles in the NFL last year and he played four games of any quarterback. So that's mm-hmm. suboptimal. And you got to think that number is going to go up. Um, and also, I don't. I think the defense is gonna obviously is gonna be challenged. So it's almost like just go YOLO and go for the explosive plays and see what happens. But again, I'd feel a lot better about that argument if the wide receiver group isn't what it was or isn't what it is. Um, like you can see, the thing is, before the Thomas injury, you could see a universe in which this offense could actually be better than they were last year, right? Like, mm-hmm. still a very good offensive yes. line. So one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Obviously, Kamara's incredible. Um, and, you know, there, you could be hoping that either Smith or Callie would break out. Troutman, again, in, it being in, like, a number three option is, like, a very enticing. But you take Michael Thomas out of the equation. Like, I, I've, I said this on our, one of our shows the other day. He's not the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he is by far the most important, like in any offense, because it without him, it's just mm, I don't know. Um, like if they he's trade the for most James reliable, Wa- you can he, say that he is. Like if they trade for James Washington, Six catches seventy yards every week. Is James Washington immediately the number one wide receiver? Like does he go from being the Steelers four to the Saints number one? <laughs> I think I think he would have to be just by default. I, like if if before you did any research for this pod and someone quizzed you on like name four Saints receivers, how many would you be able to name besides Thomas? Uh, Traquan Smith. I, I would give right. Little Jordan Humphrey. I'd be done there. Well, come on, Little Jordan. Oh yeah. I mean, his name's Little Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I mean Callaway maybe if I was really like on my game, uh, but that's it. It's like you just woke up like an hour ago. You're not getting Callaway. Want to throw out maybe a cra- at like a crazy idea. So right. let's say they don't trade for um, James Washington. What about like Zach Ertz? Like go all in on the tight ends. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just throwing stuff against the wall. I'm just no, a, a girl standing a in front one. of a death chart asking it to <laughs> give me something. Because he wants out. I feel like Mickey Loomis would be down to do it no matter what the price is. He just He's just like a wheeler dealer. But I think that works because I do think they're kind of building this 
offense where they can have a lot of tight ends on the field. I think that was the plan just because of yeah. they didn't have options at receiver. And I think that gives Sean Payton enough flexibility where he can like mix and match and go hurry up and just catch base defenses on the field and spread things out. I think he's someone that would want to do that. So mm-hmm. I think that would make more sense actually than a James Washington who might be redundant with Smith already on the roster. Yeah. I, I, yes. I, well, Hertz is more similar in skill set maybe to Michael Thomas. So like, right. you know, in terms of like uh, just a couple slant boys, stuff, <laughs> keeping the chains moving. It makes sense. Um, another big piece of Saints news today, Patrick Robinson retired, uh, which normally would not be a massive piece of news for, I mean, I mean, that's not, that's, that's a wrong way to put it. What I want to say is it's not the equivalent of losing Michael Thomas by any means, but because of the depth on the defensive side of the ball, it is massively impactful. Um, The cap is real folks. And if you don't believe it, look at the Saints 2020 roster and then look at the Saints 2021 roster. Uh, just across the board, there, there are some issues, holes, depth concerns. And working back to front, um, without Robinson, now opposite Martian Lattimore, whose performance has kind of dipped off, you're looking at either Prince Amukomara. I always feel like I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, Ken Crawley is there. The guy they drafted, Paulson Adebo, uh, who out of Oregon, right? Oregon, who didn't play last year. I think Stan- was it Stanford. Oh, was it Stanford? Am I confusing Pac-12 teams? Okay, so didn't play last year. Uh, CJ Gardner Johnson's in the slot, but I mean, it's bad. It's so we're talking about them trading for like a tight end or a wide receiver. I think they also need a veteran cornerback. Like the depth is just woof. Or maybe a second-year cornerback from Jacksonville. Go on. CJ Henderson seems to be available. I think he fits what they've traded for in the past when they've traded for this position, a, a, a corner who specializes in man coverage. I don't know. CJ Henderson seems to be on the outs in Jacksonville. He seems to be available. I don't know if you would make mm. Michael Thomas available in that trade. I think he's pretty untradeable based on his contract. Yes, it's with it's, the Saints yeah. cap situation. But I think you can make a deal work if if Urban Meyer seems to be a guy who decides who is his guy and who's not his guy. And if Mm. CJ Henderson is already on the outs, I don't know, maybe he's available. But I will say this. This was before the Robinson retirement. I had written down in my notes, I I wasn't so concerned about the cornerback depth because they do play a ton of safeties. Like, forget about Big Nickel, the three safeties on the field. They play four safeties at a time. 201 snaps last year with four safeties and only two cornerbacks. And I think they can hold up Gardner Johnson, I think, is one of the best slot defenders in the league. Like when you watch him against Chris Godwin, he was the guy that guarded Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin only had like four catches against him. Malcolm Jenkins is a little more tricky because he is getting up there in age and how long can he run with tight ends? I don't know. He still looked decent last year. But if Malcolm Jenkins can play and hold up in the slot, I think cornerback becomes less of an issue, especially if they can swing a trade for a player that can start. Yeah. Like Henderson. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm also curious to see um, if there's any changes on the defense. You know, I, I mentioned in the last pod, actually, uh, the departure of Aaron Glenn, who was, I mean, obviously Dennis Allen, their defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, is still there. But, you know, the, the Saints, you mentioned they play a lot of dime. They play a ton of man. Um, they blitz a lot. And that is sort of I I think that's less philosophical and more a product of the personnel available to them. 
And suddenly when you start to take away starters and have guys leave, like a Janoris Jenkins in the back, we should have mentioned, and then up front, there's a few losses. I do wonder if they'll be a little bit more conservative. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll just mention like they, so Trey Hendrickson's gone, um, which basically puts more pressure on Marcus Davenport to step up, step up. They did draft another pass rusher, which was a surprise to a lot of people, Peyton Turner. So I think they're fine at, they're, they're okay at edge, but defensive tackle is an issue. I feel like I'm being so dramatic in my voice. (laughs) We're like, we're like, but it is, I mean, and by the way, you know, like we're talking about a defense that was incredible. It's been incredible in run defense for years now, for the last few years, incredible in a lot of ways, but this is sort of like what you start taking the Jenga blocks out and all of a sudden, like, okay, it's like you got Shai Tuttle and David Onyemata, but wait, David Onyemata is suspended for six games. So I guess like you need Malcolm Roach to strap up because Sheldon Rankins is gone. Linebacker's still fine, I think. Um, I, I, I th- yeah, Demario Davis, one of the most underrated cover linebackers in the NFL. Um, they probably need a little bit more from Zach Bond and Quan Alexander. They re-signed. They drafted Pete Warner, which I don't really understand. But it really is like you just start taking these guys out, and all of a sudden, you it, it, it becomes unclear where the production is going to come from. Football is a violent sport, and when you don't have depth, and you're yes. like they're. Their defense kind of trends older, too, I would say, in some key spots. Like Cameron Mm -hmm. Jordan is getting up there. Davis is getting up there. Malcolm Jenkins. I think these young guys are going to have to play, and I just don't trust Jalen Dalton, who is a guy that I had not heard of before I just brought up the R-Lads. Did not know. uh, Depth chart. Albert Huggins, have you ever heard of this man? Josiah Brunson? Like, I don't know these people. And... I think with how they play defense, they do play a lot of too high. And like you said, they might have to even get even more conservative on the back end because they don't have the corners. They're going to have to leave those big bodies in there to defend the run on their own. And without Animata for those first six games, I don't know how that works out. Mm. And if they lose ground to the Bucks early, I don't think they're ever going to catch up because they do have so many holes and question marks on the offense. We don't know what that offense is going to look like. The one thing they could always rely on whether Drew Brees' arm looked good or not was he wasn't going to turn the ball over. He wasn't going to take sacks and they no longer have that. So let's paint the optimistic case. Um, I'd say on offense, the optimistic case is Thomas isn't out that long. And then you get that sort of, you know, yeah, there's a little bit more volatility, but Jameis brings more of an explosive passing attack behind a very good offensive line, very good run game. Um, And the deep threats like Traquan Smith finally breaks out. With um, by the way, this, he's the last receiver the Saints drafted until the latest draft when they took a guy at the very end. Since 2018 is when they drafted Traquan Smith. So like the Saints, like y'all have not been stocking the cupboard, cupboard, cupboard with receivers for quite some time. So, anyways, optimism. So there, I, I can see that on offense. Basically, the optimistic case centers around Michael Thomas coming back sooner rather than later. On defense, um, I think it's another breakout, right? Like Marcus Davenport cement he he compensates for the loss of Trey Hendrickson, which by the way, totally plausible. Um, I think the run defense with Onyemata out for those first six games is going to be rough, but um, you still have good players in the secondary. Marcus Williams still very good playing on the tag and Marshall Lattimore returns to form. Um, I guess Adebo is, is starting caliber corner. Like that's, nothing I said is that crazy. Like it's, it could happen. I I don't think so either. I'm not worried about the defense as much as I am about the offense, because I think 
Dennis Allen, for some reason, he's still underrated, even though they've put together good defenses when that was yeah. like the whole thing in the in New Orleans, right? It's like, oh, if they only got a defense and then Dennis Allen comes along. They have like a top 10 defense every year for like the last three years. I think he's one of the, the sharper defensive coordinators. Like you watch them play and he's doing a lot of the stuff that guys like Brandon Staley get a lot of credit for and get a lot of articles mm-hmm. written about him. And you never really get that with Dennis Allen. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the offense just overshadows them. And then my reason for optimism is Sean Payton. Because we've seen before the Saints had Michael Thomas and when their receiving core was kind of suspect, even when Drew Brees was out, they had good games. I think Luke McCown started for them against mm-hmm. the, the Panthers team that went to the Super Bowl and almost beat them and like put up Drew Brees type numbers. So I'm not counting out Sean Payton. And I think Jameis is talented enough. And maybe Payton can reel them in a bit and, and avoid those interceptions. If that happens, I think they can be a playoff contender. I don't think they're anywhere close to the Bucks anymore. No. But maybe maybe they can you know grab a wild card spot. I don't know, just because the NFC West is going to beat up on each other. The first 6 games are the Packers, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Giants, Washington and Seattle. There's I would say like it's not impossible to go 500 against that group with the Panthers, Giants, Washington in the mix. Um, not impossible. I think that's the key though for this team is like they got to hold down the fort right. and get to week seven or whatever. Um, yeah. So I probably should have started this by saying the Bucks are going to wipe the floor with them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about them at the end. Let's talk about the Falcons. Um, so the Falcons. Okay, let's start. Let's start with the good stuff because I, f- I feel like I'm being really negative. Let's put off the defense for a second. Um, Matt Ryan's like a really, well, I would say positive. This is a team that went one and eight in one score games last year and had the toughest schedule in football. Uh, it, they do have the London game. They're the only team in the conference to have a home game in London, which sucks. But regression should work in their favor. I also think like we could see a rejuvenated Matt Ryan. So Matt Ryan like is coming off a statistical down year in which he ranked pretty much average-ish in like every category, right? Like somewhere in that like 12 to 18 range, no matter how you slice it. But um, it sounds crazy to say like a guy losing Julio Jones is going to uh, be rejuvenated. But I actually think like, first of all, he didn't always have Julio Jones last year. So there's that. I think this is the first time he has a this is the best play caller he's had since Shanahan, right? And who also is the first time he's had an offensive yeah. play caller as his head coach. I think that's going to be fantastic. The run game was a nightmare last year. Um, I think it's probably going to be better. I w- kind of wish they had drafted a running back. They're leaning on Mike Davis. And I also think like, I I, I don't want to lean. I don't want to put too much stock in like Kyle Pitts is going to break the NFL. But I think the combination of Kyle Pitts and Arthur Smith is just so made in the stars that um, I think it's going to be pretty pretty nice for Matt. I think Kyle Pitts ends up getting those AJ Brown targets. Yes, like I think like the the more intuitive thing would be Ridley replaces Brown in this offense, but they didn't really win in the same spots of the field. Like Ridley was a downfield guy. AJ Brown caught a lot of short in breaking routes and then did stuff after the catch. I think Kyle Pitts, you can get that. And that's why I'm a little more optimistic about this offense. I know people have looked at the depth chart and the offensive line, and they've kind of written this team off because we just expect if they're going to win anything, the offense has to be really good and has to carry the defense. 
I think it's possible that they're that good. Like, I think Arthur Smith changes things that much. It's not just that they gained Arthur Smith. They lost Dirk Cutter, who I think was just, the game just had passed them by. Like, you could just look at their play action usage, how they ran on second down, second and long a lot. He just, I don't know. I think he held this team back. And people don't realize that their defensive DVOA has been better over the last two years than their offensive DVOA. It wasn't defense holding this team back. It was the offense. It's weird because you think of the defense. Yeah, it's so strange. You think of the defense as being so terrible. We'll get to the defense. Um, You mentioned play action, by the way. Matt Ryan, one of the stats that did jump out is he had the third highest difference um, in completion percentage when he used play action in, in favor of using more play action. And... You know, like Arthur Smith, I mean, I, you, you mentioned the offensive line. Like, I, there's concerns. The fact that, so Caleb McGarry is hurt, and I guess you're looking at a position battle between Jalen Mayfield, who they drafted, and Willie Beavers, who I'm not going to lie, I <laughs> didn't know. Um, that's concerning. But I think the change in the rushing game to more of that sort of split zone, inside zone attack will benefit the personnel. I mean, it's, it sucks that they're losing Alex Smith. People who are smarter than me tell me that Drew Dahlman, the center out of Snap Stanford, is good and fits well in that. Um, but I think I think this is just an example of an offense where, like as you said, like scheme is going to go a long way towards getting more out of these players. Yeah, I think that's the one thing people don't talk about when they're talking about play action and the benefits is that it can make up for a suspect offensive line. Yes. Pass pro because it slows down the pass rush. That's one thing. If you look at any team, the more you run play action, the better your pass protection is. So I think that's one area where they can kind of fudge things like Arthur Smith just with play calling can kind of coach around that that weakness. And then that's how you get the most out of Ridley and Pitts and uh, I think Matt Ryan still has a lot left. I think he still has a year or two of good high level play. Like Matt Ryan has been that quarterback where his situation has changed a lot over the last four years, ever since 2016, or you can go back to 2015 when he had that bad year before the MVP year. And he's kind of just, his performance has been the same. It's just the things around him have changed. And I think he's still that quarterback. He was in 2016. Maybe the arm strength is a little bit gone, but, Everything else is still there. I think he's one of the smarter quarterbacks in the league. And getting to play in this offense, which kind of defines things for you over the middle of the field, I think I think it's really going to allow him to get back to where he was. Not He's not going to get to those heights statistically in 2016, but I think we're going to start talking about him as one of the better quarterbacks in the league again. We kind of didn't stop last year. Yeah, like he kind of moved outside the top 10, whereas he'd been kind of yeah. in that range for a while. I think, yeah, he, like... Play action helping the offensive line. Great point. Like things like more motion, right? Which again, Arthur Smith used at a high rate. That's, you know, we'll see how much it helps Matt. But like, I'll tell you what, that's going to help the run game. Like this is a a, a rushing attack that ranked 29th in DVOA last year. And, um, you know, some of that had to do with like, boy, that Todd Gurley signing. But um, (laughs) the run blocking was not great. But again, I think like, it's going to look better. It's kind of one of those things too, where, where like play action sets up the run and helps, you know, like I think all of this is going to work together a lot better. Um, it's, it's a bummer because like if they still had Julio, who I realize you know, wanted out and all that, I think you could make a case for this being a top five to 10 offense in the NFL. I think now maybe 10 is feasible. Like uh, maybe, you know, um, yeah, I'm 
I, I'm, I'm anyway. willing to say that they're going to be a fringe top 10 offense. Fringe top 10. I like that's the tight end. Yeah. I like the tight ends that they have. Like even Lee Smith, who's not a guy that's going to catch passes, but he's like a great blocker. Hayden Hurst, I think, could be a Jonu Smith type. Like he'll get those targets and get the screen passes and the little totally. slip routes out into the flat. And then Kyle Pitts, like I said, I think he's AJ Brown. And then Calvin really can, he's better than, uh, I'm forgetting Corey Davis, Corey Davis yeah. but I think those are the routes he's going to run. He's going to be the downfield guy. Yes, like the those like deep there. crossers and, that Corey Davis always yeah. would run in that Titans offense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I think the piece is there as long as the offensive line just doesn't ruin everything. And I think Smith is going to make up for that. Um, Why did Dean Pease come out of retirement to coach this <laughs> defense? I Because if it was me, it's like, okay, you know how um, – in movies where like a, a retired hitman comes back for one last job and it's always like a crazy job and like but he like can't resist the challenge that's the only explanation i come up for i know his son's on the staff so i know that's a real explanation but like it is a challenge this depth chart <laughs> i didn't realize how much it was like whenever we do this you're looking at the depth chart and you're like huh whoo um the secondary, do you think this is, where do you think this ranks in the NFL secondaries? Uh, off the top of my head, the worst, <laughs> right? It's, it, it's the worst. Oh God. I, people are going to be so mad at this podcast because it's, it's so negative, but yeah. It's, it, we were optimistic about the offense. Yes, we were. Like let's, even let's Falcons really. fans realize what yeah, this defense know. is. And like, I, I honestly think you're onto something with Dean Pease. Like I was doing <laughs> a project last off season when I was, uh, writing about pass rush and he was one of the guys I, I wrote about and I was listening to like podcast interviews with him and he was saying how he actually likes it better when he doesn't have any talent at edge rusher because he gets to draw cool stuff Dude, up he's and gonna, blitzes. everybody's gonna blitz in this right. defense. I love he's it. gonna have his hands full with this offense he's gonna get to do he's gonna have to get real creative with this defense I just I don't see how it works even I have a lot of respect for DMPs I think he's a good <laughs> coach I think he's one of the more creative coaches but Good Lord, man. He's going to have to, like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's like one last job, le less one last job, and more like an episode of Chopped. I feel like he, he like, came out, I don't know if you ever watched Chopped, but he's got, like, gummy bears, a yeah. raw egg, some, like, artichokes, and he has to make a dessert out of this. Um, so I was going to go darker and then say, maybe it's like a leaving Las Vegas situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. That's so messed up. Okay. Um... Back to front. Let's go back to front again. AJ Terrell, good. I mean, not good, but uh, up and down, but promising moments. Uh, none of the rookie corners were good, so we should say that last year, except for like luxurious needs. So um, there was like a weird learning curve across the league. And I think AJ Terrell showed enough to where they can feel decent yeah. about him. Um, that's pretty much it, man. I mean, so you got, I guess Fabian Moreau is probably going to start. He, he had a he was in Washington for a while. Isaiah Oliver is still in the slot. Um, they drafted Richie Grant, who is 45. Not people hate when I do that joke. He's, he's an older. Is he the one that's like a square? A perfect square, his body. <laughs> he's actually good. He he was a safety at, he is good. at UCF. He's he's like um, I guess he's like the new Keanu Neal. I mean, I you know, he he's very physical. And yes, um, but on the first depth chart, Isaiah Oliver, Oliver was on the second team, which is a red flag. Like if he's getting, oh, no. like he has to be, 
able oh, no. to play. They, they they brought in like some real NFL players. Deron Harmon and Eric Harris also are playing safety and they're fine. <laughs> I, 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 um, am I missing anyone? Those are, I mean, so who was, wait, who was Isaiah Oliver behind? Sheffield? Uh, I think it was Moreau, actually. Okay. Yeah. Moreau started. They should trade for CJ Anderson, except for, the, I don't know if they're trying to win now. I can't tell. Um, which is, by the way, like worth stepping back and taking the 50,000 foot view of this team. How do you look at this defend- defensive roster and think, ah, yes, a tight end with four? That's the move. <laughs> let's another be, year let's of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. I don't, like, I, I, first of all, like, okay, I know we're going too heavy on the analogies, but like, you know, the, what is the movie from? Well, there's Beyonce walking away from the flames. Forget the movie, the, the, the Beyonce walking away from the flames. Has anyone photoshopped Thomas Dimitrov's face onto Beyonce? Because <laughs> like, dude, I feel like the Falcons fans should, I mean, I'm being too excessive. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to dial it back. I think I'm going to dial it back. Um, linebacker is the strength on this defense. Say something nice. I do like the linebacker. I like yeah. Deion Jones. Uh, the, the other guy, I'm forgetting his name. For you, uh, he, Yale legend. Yeah, yeah. Yale football legend. Yeah, he's from Yale. He's good. Like, I watched them. I didn't he think he was bad. He's decent. Uh, you got two linebackers to work with. You got Grady Jarrett still. I, I I'm know excited. there's something to work with I'm there. I'm excited to see what... Um, Look at me. I'm regaining my strength and ability to be excited. I'm excited to see what Dean Pease does with uh, Jones and Olakun, who are both good pass rushers. Yes. Like, you know, he's yeah, going to be blitz, 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 blitz. There's a quote out there from Dean Pease. He said everybody on the defense is blitzing. Like, oh, you like said that. that earlier, but he said it too. Like, you guys oh, are on yeah. the same page. Young way, way, I got, blitzing. A, I got a question for you. <laughs> What's up? Matt Ryan's going to get some, some sacks. <laughs> Never had signed his contract on May 3rd, 2018. How many times do you think he's restructured? Oh, my God. Oh, three? Four times. Oh, my God. That's 2018. He did it twice in one offseason. Dimitrov, you can't get away with this. You can't get away with this. Beyonce walking away from the fire. Oh, my God. I think Aaron Rodgers is going for a similar thing in Green Bay. Like, that's Ooh. my way of explaining the Randall Cobb thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you sell them up. with deals. Although Randall Cobb's not on a multi-year deal, is he? I don't know. Probably not. If, if so, that'd be pretty funny. It's like um, putting rocks on the ship and then jumping off or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so at Pass Rush, um, I asked our friend Charles McDonald, who is a fan of the Falcons, um, if Jacob Twoti Mariner was the second best pass rusher. I meant it sort of meanly, but I also think it might be true. Um, Grady Jarrett, still awesome. By the way, so they're obviously with um, with Pease. Uh, it's going to be a 3-4. So you're going to see, I guess, Grady in the sort of Aaron Donald role, which makes a ton of sense. Problem is, like, on the rest of that defensive line, um, I guess Dante Fowler's technically the best, second best edge rusher. But... Um, the optimist case for the Falcons would be that uh, Marlon Davidson, who they drafted in the second round last year and hasn't played, mm-hmm. it's been kind of on and off, that he, he breaks out. Because I think there's there's some optimism around him uh, as sort of yeah, playing next to Grady Jarrett. Yeah, I think, like, what do they have to, what level do they have to get to? Top 20 defense for them to be mm. a decent team this year? 
Yeah. Like I say top 20. And I think Pease can, he did it with the Titans two years ago when they went on that playoff run. Talk about a the guy who was what, really good in the playoffs. It's like the reverse case where, like, he walked away and everyone was like, oh, no. Like, you know, or what well, piece yeah, is not right. case, right? But, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I top 20 feels about right. It really bothers me that they have guys and, in the defensive line named Davison and Davidson feels like troll. Yeah. Um, yeah. D- Tyler Davison's name just confu- breaks my brain because, like, the Tyler is spelled differently, too. It is. Yes. T- I mentioned him to Michael Jr. And Mike, I, I hope he is okay with me sharing this. He said, Yeah, that dude basically ended my career. And I was like, What? And he was like, No, no, not like in a mean way, but like literally they were going up against each other and he just straight up bulldozed him like in uh camp and and that that was curtains for for our boy that's got that's gotta be such a weird feeling for like someone like mike who like played at a high level but like guys in the nfl that we kind of like just write off like like, like, who's on this yeah i know um i think i do think by the way yeah you know what the optimism is returning i do think top 20 is feasible with um Dean Pease. I also think, by the way, though, that Raheem Morris did a really nice job with this group, all things considered. Yeah. Like in that weird Falcon or uh, Chiefs game where it was like really confusing why the Falcons were defense was playing so well. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, the optimist case is that Dean Pease works his magic on the pass rush, that AJ Terrell takes another step forward, and that Richie Grant, I would say, he, he's the other guy where it's like, okay. You know, best case scenario is like that he he comes in and plays at a high level from the jump, which is not impossible. You know, yeah, I like the pick. Um, and and yeah. the secondary is used to blitzing. Like that's when yeah. Raheem Morris took over. He started blitzing yes. a lot, and that's what they're going to do with P. So I don't think it's like a crazy totally. transition scheme wise. I think I don't know. I'm kind of optimistic about the Falcons. I know this. their depth Love it. is horrid in their depth, but like nine games not out of the question for me, which is probably not a good result for them because they should be rebuild, rebuilding. But hey, they want to win nine games again. I like this optimistic you. This is weird. Um, all right, let's take a quick break and ruin that optimism by talking about the team you root for. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 
Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Sam Darnold, starting quarterback, Carolina Panthers. Don't remind me. Um, PJ Walker, Ooh. Will Greer behind him. Okay, this is an offense that finished 17th in DVOA last year. How likely is it, do you think, that they're better this year? I think they end up in the same area, but the yeah. offense looks a lot different. Like, I wa- I, I hadn't really watched Brady's offense because, like, I, I write about the rest of the NFL and no one cares about the Panthers, at least Aww. last year. So I, this is, like, the first time I actually got to watch the offense, and I liked it. It was good. But it just didn't make any sense for Teddy Bridgewater. I can't think of a worse fit. And the thing is, last year, going into the season, I assumed it was a great fit because of what we saw LSU mm. do, where they were running a lot of quick game, empty sets, Joe Burrow, you know, reading things out. And I thought, oh, that fits what Teddy does, right? But when I watch it, not a lot of quick game. Yeah. Not a lot of quick game at all. A lot of downfield, intermediate stuff, outbreaking, like, corner routes, which Teddy doesn't have the harm for. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to try to make those throw. And then tight window throws over the middle, which Teddy's also not going to take. Yeah. <sighs> At least once a week, he left a big throw on the field where he checked it down way too early. Yeah, I think you like got the worst version of Teddy. I mean, probably not statistically, but for the eye test as a result, which is mm-hmm. like a guy who's both simultaneously taking too many risks and not enough risks, right? Rather than right. like he would, you're right, he would like leave big plays on the field, but then also like take stupid risks at times in this offense. I I think it's a better fit for Darnold in some ways. Like, I'm, maybe that's the wrong way to put it. I rather think it's it's an offense that's more likely to fix him. Um, I would be more optimistic if the off if the entire left side of the offensive line wasn't a question mark. <laughs> but you know, it's, it, it's funny. I mentioned Ad Gase, and like the hope is that for Darnold that he has that Ryan Tannehill bounce from leaving Adam Gase. Um, I think it's worth debating that because like Tannehill was better than Darnold in Miami. Like Tannehill in Miami was better than Darnold was in New York, but Darnold I believe was in a worse situation than Ryan Tannehill was in Miami, both from um, well in a lot of ways, but especially I think um, the personnel that he, you know, he had, that he was working with in New York. So yeah, Think about Sam. I mean, you know, we know, we kind of know who he is right now. Or we we know what he's become. What we know what Adam Gase turned him into, which is um, he's like a you know like a oh gosh I keep doing terrible analogies, but he's like a, a Marvel character where you're like learning the backstory, like that he was like in a lab and you know horrible things happened. I don't know this is stupid, um, but who he is is like he's a no, guy who. Um, uh, still flashes like the athleticism, the crazy throws, the uh, out of structure, you know, playmaking at times that we saw in college. The problem is his brain, instead of getting better as like young quarterbacks do in the NFL, like seems like it got, I don't say, yeah, I wouldn't say got worse, but never got better, right? Like he never learned how to be right. a quarterback. And I think now the question just simply is A, is it too late? B, is he in a situation? where if there's like a transition period or whatever, like where he can improve upon the decision, make the problems with, I would say decision-making all the bad habits he developed in New York. The thing about his decision-making is like, it's weird. Like when I f- f- watched him, I think it was last off season. I wrote about him. 
I expected him to be taking more chances downfield, and he's actually pretty conservative while in structure. Yes. It's when he gets out of structure when he takes more chances, and it's like so frustrating to watch him play, where he kind of gives you that that Bridgewater thing, where like he might check it down too early, or he might go from like he has one read and then just go straight to his check down or goes into scramble mode. And that's why I don't know if he's going to, if the offense is going to be better. I think it's going to be the same. It's just going to look different. Like he's going to take more sacks. I think he's going to throw more interceptions, but he's not going to leave those plays that Teddy left on the field. Yes. Well, he's, he's going to take a better throws than Teddy. And he's going to make the throws more, more yeah. importantly, like he can make those throws. So I don't know. I think it kind of evens out. It's like they looked at the offense how it operated under Teddy Bridgewater and was like, here are where here's where he can't operate this offense. Let's find someone that can do those things. But they forgot the good things that Teddy could do. Like this thing, this offense, it puts a lot on the quarterback mentally. Like you're going through progressions, like full field progressions. And I don't know if Sam can do that every drive, which is what you have to do in the NFL to have a really good offense. So I think this stays a league average offense. And if that's the case, I don't know if the defense is good enough to to make up for it, where this team is competitive or more competitive than it was a year ago. You wouldn't, you don't think Joe will simplify it to, you know, I had Nate Tyson a few weeks ago or something, and we were talking about like what either every quarterback needs to do to get better. And we talked a little bit briefly about sort of Brady and Darnold and what the offense looks like. And Nate talked about sort of the ways in which he could kind of simplify it for him so that he... yeah just because of the sort of, you know, what you're describing mentally, I don't think is, is in the cards for Sam, at least early on. Oh, I, I think that's a possibility. I'm not going to rule that out. Cause I, when, what I did notice when I was watching, I watched their early down stuff first. It's kind of Ramsey in a way, like the Los Angeles Rams, like it's Sean McVay esque. Like they had mm. narrow formations. Yeah. A lot of like play action boot plays. Yeah jet motion so i feel like if he you know you build the whole ship out of that then i think it works with sam darnold because if you can show him where to throw the ball he can make the throws yeah it's like half the NFL that's now. my right. question is right that is yeah. true is Bra is brady gonna do that or right we don't have a lot of information on him as an offensive coordinator he wasn't even an offensive coordinator at lsu he was a passing right. coordinator so uh, we don't yeah. it's hard to say well i like the skill players a lot actually um you know, one thing, I mean, this has been discussed a lot, but one thing Brady did really well last year was kind of figured out who his wide receivers were <laughs> and what they were good at. Um, I think that was something that was kind of lacking in previous iterations. So like with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, um, you know, the loss of Curtis Samuel, it's actually interesting, by the way, the loss of Curtis Samuel, they added Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU and, and David Moore, who are just very different wide receivers from Curtis Samuel. So I'll be curious to see like that, takes away your career Samuel was like primarily in the slot on obviously they use a lot on the sort of underneath stuff and stuff in the backfield that David Moore can do some of that stuff, by the way, he did some of it in Seattle, but Terrace Marshall is not that guy, right? Like, so, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how he develops the offense around some of the changes. Like they, uh, added sign or drafted Tommy Tremble. It was out of Notre Dame. Who's pretty like, I would say well-rounded. Um, very good blocker. Um, and then you get McCaffrey back. Oh, they also drafted Chuba Hubbard. Just seeing that. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's a, it's a nice group of skill players. Yeah. And I, 
like my first thought when I was thinking when I was watching this offense and thinking about the changes they made in the offseason, I was like, oh, maybe they got rid of Samuel because they want to do the more Ram stuff and have like a slot receiver that can block. Hmm. And I was like, oh, Terrence Marshall is bigger. And then I like looked up no, the report and no, block yeah, at all. And no. I was like, oh, oh, so that's not it. He's I like, don't know. A, but yeah, no. I think keep, what keep I only watched a little bit of, of him, so I don't really know his game all that well, but I think maybe they can use other guys to do that. Like they had Curtis Samuel trying to like do crack blocks and it just didn't work. It was funnier when Robbie Anderson was doing it because he's like so skinny. He was just yeah. getting knocked back five yards. But if they can find a guy to do that, maybe David Moore is that guy. I think they can maybe lean into the play action stuff more and we they can do the things we're talking about helping Darnold. Well, it would certainly but help if they can't. Yeah. If he has to spread things out, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it with Darnold. It would certainly help the offensive line um, if he was able to buy some time for them because, like I said, you know, outside of obviously they just extended Taylor Moten, who's very good, but the mm-hmm. entire left. So, so from left to right, I mean, you're looking at, I guess, Greg Little or Cam Irving. They did draft Brady Christensen, who, um, like Richie Grant, is 45, but was looked great at, at BYU, but. I question everything I watched now. Yes. I don't know what I was watching. Um, did look good to me, but, um, and then Pat Hilfline, um, you know, you can ask our friends up North about that experience. Um, it's just, I mean, like in some ways, Sam coming to Carolina from the jets, it's like such a better, like an upgrade for him. Like I, I would say from not who the jets are now, but who they were in terms of the skill players and play calling. But, I do actually don't think this offensive line is that much better than the Jets' offensive line. No, I don't know. Is he going to be able to take advantage of the weapons he has with this offensive right. line? I, exactly. I don't see it. Like, even, like, Paradis, who's a guy they spent a lot of money on two years ago. He, I think he was, like, the highest-paid center in free agency yeah. that year. He hasn't been – he wasn't very good. So now it, it's not just, you know, Elfline, Irving – Moten's the only one that you can really rely on, and I don't think you can build an offense out of that. I just don't know how you do it. And like the running game last year, I thought Brady tried to get a little too creative. Like it was really scattered at LSU. It was really simple. Like they ran duo and I think outside zone. But you watch the Panthers; they got a new run concept of the week every mm. week, every game, and it, like they're running counter. They just didn't have the line to do it, and you could just watch the offensive linemen; they just couldn't execute the blocks. So I wonder if he dials that back knowing the offensive line is because this offensive line is worse than it was going into last year, mm. which is crazy because the offensive line wasn't very good last year either. So I wonder if he dials that back and maybe that helps the passing game in a way if the play action pass game looks a lot like the run game because it did not last year. I think um, Brady's gotten a lot of credit for being generally like inventive and improving the offense. So, you know, with the limited ceiling. I think Bridgewater rightfully got a lot of the blame for some of the struggles, but I think Phil Snow deserves credit too for what he did with the defense. Cause he was given worse pieces to work with or more inexperienced pieces rather. Um, you know, they're, they're still not great. They, they finished 22nd in weighted DVOA, but that's not from 26 in 2019, but they're just really, really young. Like, and, and at times I think they kind of, like he he did a really good job with the hand he was dealt. And I think that's interesting because schematically, this was the zone heaviest defense in the NFL last year, which made the drafting of JC Horn like a little perplexing. 
right? Because he's like a, a, a press man corner. But I also think like mm, some of that was because of who he had, um, you know, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised if you see sort of like an evolution in this defense um, as some of these youngsters, it's very young, was extremely young last year, get a little bit more experience in his system. Yeah, I think the J.C. Horn pick was because of their lack of success on third down. Mm. On first and second down, I thought they were, I think they were an average defense on first and second down. On third down, they were the worst defense in the NFL by success rate. I think they were second worst by EPA, but success rate matters more because yeah. you're trying to get off the field. And that's because they were rushing three three guys and they're playing zone, but there was a lot of error in that coverage. Like they weren't sticking tight to routes. I think you have to play man coverage in the NFL on third down. You can't play Big 12 zone, drop eight, three safety defense against Patrick Mahomes. So I think that's what that pick was about. And I hope they play more man defense on third down because I agree with everything else you said. I think Phil Snow, he's basically Brandon Staley, but without the talent, like the talent at his disposal. Ta- like if Brandon Staley had, had these guys to work with, that's probably what his defense would look like. Cause he was doing all the stuff we celebrate Staley for. Like he was playing the tight front. He was playing three. Dude, that was, they were cutting it, it was the, um, the Packers game where Rogers after was confused by the tight front. You remember that? Am I, yeah. am I totally making right, that yeah. up? He, Wasn't it after where like, Rogers no, no, you are. They were going to rush four or something. And he was like, Oh, it was very like confusing. The packages that they were using. It looked like Big 12 defense. I think that where it hurt him was on third down. Like first and second down, you can get away with with that because teams are going to run their RPOs, which, you know, that's what they run in the Big 12. They're going to run their running plays and their drop back passing game. But on third down, you have to be able to cover people and they just couldn't cover people. Yeah. I think J.C. Horn maybe helps them do that. I don't know if he's enough because we talk about like the secondary is a weak link thing. And I I think they have a lot of weak links still. Yeah. I wish they had a... um a free safety who I was more optimistic about um, because like Jeremy Chin um, is a playmaker, you know, and right. I think he needs to be paired with someone with range. I guess Justin Burris is probably going to start next to him looking at this chart. I I, I saw that they're going to use AJ Bouye in the slot, which is interesting. Um, and then this is kind of it for Dante Jackson, his chance to prove himself. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lacking group. I do think they're going to be able to get more pressure with a standard rush. Um, although they didn't blitz a ton last season, but Brian Burns is of course like the most hyped player uh, in, in NFL Twitter right now. Um, deservedly so. And I think in a, in a sustainable way, because when you look at his underlying, he led the team in sacks, but he also had a lot of uh, pressures and hurries, which usually bodes well for continued good performance. Um, Yeder Gross motto sort of was, up and down. I don't think he played. He, he missed a lot of games. I think Derek Brown too. Like he, he didn't get as much pass rush as he wanted from him, but I right. still think he was pretty impactful. He did his job though. Yeah. And then, and so you also add uh, Hassan Reddick who like, obviously he's the opposite of Burns where I don't think his, he had like a zillion sacks in Arizona. That's not going to happen again, but I do think he's going to help that pass rush. Yeah. I like their their defensive line, the interior. That's how they were able to play those fronts that they were able to play. Like Bravion Roy is another guy who I think mm. is a really good player. Who He's not going to get a lot of shine because he just eats blocks up, but he's really good at it. And then the Riddicks, I didn't like that signing. I just, I don't think it makes sense to sign a guy like that to a one-year deal. Because what happens? Either he repeats what he did last year and you have to sign him to a billion-dollar mm. deal next year 
or he craps out and like that's the end like why not sign him to like a two-year deal where you can get out of it after two years like i that's the stuff this front office does that i just can't yeah. get on board with there's like no plan like you're signing reddick just to have him for a year I don't, I don't know what what their end goal is there yeah they also had morgan fox i just noticed that who was like sneaky decent uh with the ramps mm-hmm. um and as you mentioned they use some of the same stuff they do some of the same stuff up front um yeah, I mean, the lack of a plan is kind of the frustrating thing, right? Because it's kind of like you look at this team and you're like, okay, are are you rebuilding? Like, is that what this is? Because it feels like a rebuilding team, but then they do the Darnold trade instead of drafting a quarterback. And then it's confusing. You're like, is would a rebuilding team take J.C. Horn? Is that the – I mean, you would if you had a quarterback, but I, unless there's a, like a – they have a ton of optimism about their ability to – rebuild Sam Darnold, which would basically be statistically, I don't think any third year, fourth year quarterback has ever made that kind of leap ever. Right. Like it, it is a very, um, it, it, it's a risky bet. I would say to, to take, to believe that you can bring him back over taking a youngster. Not only that, he has to be way better than Justin Fields. Cause mm. Justin Fields is going to be paid like a rookie quarterback for five years. Yeah. Sam Darnold, if he does break out and they do fix him, you're paying him $25 million, $30 million a year next year. Exactly. So that makes it even worse. And, and here's the most depressing thing. <laughs> last offseason, not this offseason, last offseason, they let James Bradbury walk. That's when you thought, like, okay, oh, this God. is a rebuilding thing. Yeah. You let him walk. You give the money you could have given to him to Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And then the next year, you pass on Justin Fields for J.C. Horn. You could have had Justin Fields and James Bradbury for the same price that you got Teddy Bridgewater and J.C. Horn. And that just makes me sad. Say something nice about the Panthers before we move on. Who's a who's a player on this team you're excited to watch? Because I was just <sighs> so bad. I forget the Bradbury thing is rough. Yeah, uh, I'm going to say, uh, we already said Bravion Roy. That's like my favorite, like, sleeper guy on this that's like my great oh i watch film guy yeah yeah that's my guy um this like everyone else like dj Moore. i like dj Moore. he's like robbie anderson skill players are good i like how robbie anderson interacts with the the team's mascot like i'm 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 grasping here i don't got much Keith kirkwood is on this team he's kind of yeah he didn't play last year but he's kind of decent um (laughs) why did i say that (laughs) It's like a fifth string wide receiver. Do you even know who that is? Do I believe that? I feel like I watched it. Maybe it was like a preseason game. Is that what? God, I feel like I watched him once and thought he was good. I don't know. I'm. Oh, he he was the, he got hit by JT eBay. That was him. Jesus. So that's why you remember him. You know what? I was thinking it. You know, actually, now I'm remembering. I was thinking about him because um, the Saints. I was looking at the Saints wide receiver groups over and i was like oh i bet they wish they still had keith kirkwood <laughs> i literally <laughs> said that to myself yeah yeah one of the times he did play in the right okay anyways whatever let's uh let's keep moving all right bucks are gonna win let's pick nits let's try to find what could go wrong for the bucks because they're so obviously stacked and loaded and all that stuff um so one place we'll start is this is a t- freaking brady man he's they had the healthiest defense in the second, or probably healthiest offense and second healthiest defense. So I think that could go wrong if they're less healthy. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. That's what we all have to hope for. Ding, ding, ding. Against the Bucks, they don't have any depth though. So those two things combined, 
So let's talk about the depth because there's a few specific areas where they don't have depth. And I think that's the most important. Like when you're looking at this team, you're like, oh, what could go wrong? Um, It's not wide receiver because holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Is this like, I I mean, God, the Saints must be just looking at them just so disgusted that like, like Tyler Johnson the Saints would kill for Scotty Miller. The Saints, Sean Payton would do terrible things for a shot at Scotty Miller or Jalen Darden. Um, like this, the Tyler Bucks, Johnson. Like, oh my God, Tyler Johnson. These are the people that hoarded hand sanitizer at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> That's the Bucks with wide receivers. It's unfair. So here, a where, area where they don't have depth, I'll just throw this out, is tackle, uh, offensive tackle. So um, the Bucks. Have they use the most? Blah, 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 blah. They use more six offensive linemen than any team in the NFL. By the way, um, you've got Donovan Smith, Tristan Wirfs, who's probably going to be even better this year. But Donovan Smith, uh, you know, he had his ups and downs last season. He's getting older, and if he was to get hurt, I think that could be an issue for this team. And he led the league league in penalties. And he's coming really? up a down year, so oh. yes, he did eleven penalties. Oh. So, of course, he didn't have any in the playoffs because everything went right for Tom Brady and the Bucks in the playoffs, cause, as things tend to do. But, yeah, that that it's Brady. Like, Brady makes me, like, hate on the most random things about him now because he won the Super Bowl. Like, the Schefter tweet the other day where he's like, he looks just like Zach Wilson. I was like, he doesn't look like Zach Wilson. What are you talking about? Did you see the picture of him and Tony Dungy, though, from the, the Hall of yeah. Fame thing? Where he it's looked, seared he, in my brain. It's I thought in my sleep last Last night. thing you see before you die. Um... Yeah, I mean, but, but we're like talking about offensive line death and like what they lost um, was Alex Kappa, right? In the postseason. And I was mm-hmm. like, here it comes. Aaron Stinney going to get picked on. And of course, he's fine. Everything's fine. They lose Ali Marpet. They're fine. Um, I do think, though, like that is just jokes aside. Like, and by the way, we're not rooting against the Bucks. Don't be mad. Ooh, we hate Brady. Um, I do think uh, that is to me on offense, the, the obviously losing Brady first and foremost and, and going down to Gabbard. But after that, I think injuries along the offensive line. They did pick some guys in the draft, but um, he's the, the guy who played right tackle at Notre Dame. So I guess he would be their depth as well. But, you know, that to me, given what we know about Brady and pressure as well, and uh, what we saw last year, that would, I think that is the one thing that could cause problems for this offense. I, I would say secondary injuries, maybe. Yeah. So flipping to the other side, I agree. I think, um, yeah. Secondary. Well, I you know, kind of sneaky linebacker also, but um, definitely secondary. So the weak link of the secondary was Sean Murphy buttoning, Bunting, who, of course, has the postseason run of his life. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's a very young group that's probably going to be better this year. Um, well, yes. maybe not Mike Edwards, but like Jamel Dean is like he's the best corner on this roster, right? Would you agree? Yeah, I think he's better than. I Davis. think Davis is more of like a, a run tackler. Like that's yeah, he's his like, best attribute. Yeah. But yeah, I would, I would go with Dean. So I to pick if you were to lose either of them, not Murphy Bunting for an extended period, I think that could cause some problems in the defense. Or, or yeah, really anyone in the secondary. I mean, you know. Antoine Winfield, I think, yeah. already is a player that they can't afford. Like he's so good. Yeah. And he's again, so good the depth already. behind him is not great at safety. So secondary depth overall, I agree. Um, you know, like, and then I would I, I would say if Joe try and it doesn't play as good as they think he's going to play, but he's been good in camp, so maybe he will. Sorry, like, yeah. I would say 
edge rusher, maybe. And those guys are both old, Shaq Barrett and JPP. So that could be an issue. But like, like you said, we're picking nits. Like this we are is picking the nits. best starting yeah. lineup. In the, there's no weakness really on this in this starting lineup. It's crazy. They have Vita Vea for well, I mean, if he's healthy, the whole damn season. <laughs> it didn't matter last year. <laughs> oh, nothing matters. The guys they, who played for him and or spelled him is pretty good too. Uh, yeah, Nunez, Nunez Rochas. Rochas. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was decent. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a team, and, and like the reason they're sacked is because they went all in on this year. Like, if you want to feel better and you root for another team in this division, look at the Bucks' twenty-two salary cap, and you'll be like, okay, this is gonna end. Right, like, because we keep saying, "Oh, they brought everyone back. It's amazing." Like, yeah, but they, there's a cost. Look at the 2021 Saints. That's what's going to happen at some point, but it's not going to happen this year. Um, so yeah, but I would say linebacker behind Devin White and Levante David. You're looking at Kevin Minter. Oh, Kevin Minter. Um, KJ Britt's on this team. Grant Stewart. I think. Um, I guess edge rusher, like you said, that's a good point. Like if Tryon isn't that dude behind, otherwise behind JPP and Shaq Barrett, it is pretty, pretty thin at edge. So it's it's depth. I think what's so dispiriting for people rooting against this team is just when you go back and think through to the performances by the offense over the course of the regular season, really through week 12. And you realize like that you're probably more likely to see the offense you saw over that final stretch. And in the playoffs, um, like God, I left out Vita. So I talked about Vita Vea being hurt. The bucks ranked third in EPA per play from when they used 12 personnel and first when they used 13, they get OJ Howard back. Death. And that like running game was starting to come on. I feel like Byron Leftwich kind of came into his own at the end of the year. Like the team just got better as the season went on. Like by January, they looked like the second best team in the league behind the Chiefs. Fully. And then they killed the Chiefs in the playoffs. Mm. So I think this team is trending in the right way. It's just, like there really is nothing. Brady that's was playing prevent on a me from... torn MCL. They added Gio the, Bernard, yeah, they... the perfect missing piece, king of illustrations <sighs> on Fox. <laughs> right. Can we just skip this year and just go straight to 2022? Like, we don't need to see Brady win another Super Bowl. I've seen I mean, it enough. I, honestly, would you? Okay, let me ask you this: Would you take Chiefs, Bucks, or the field? Obviously, take the field. Let me. Okay. <laughs> I want to go over the, to win the Super Bowl. No, no, just for the matchup. Like, I feel like it's okay. so. Like, is this more? I feel like this more than any other season feels like it's careening towards a rematch, right? I guess AFC, yeah. I could see, I mean, the AFC, you know, the Bills and I think are really good. Browns and Ravens are decent. And then I guess in the NFC, you know, you're looking at the, the Packers and the Rams. But, man, it just really feels inevitable. And, like, that AFC championship game, I, I it never felt like the Bills were really a threat. I know they got off to, like, a fast start. But yeah. after that, they, it just didn't seem like two teams that were at the same level. And maybe Buffalo closes that gap. But maybe K- Kansas City is even better than they were last year. They have a better offense line. So, yeah, I think that's that would be my Super Bowl pick right now. And it's going to take a lot to go wrong for both of those teams to, like, push me off of it. Like, even by October, if, if one of those teams is 2-2. Two and two, I'm still like I mean, they're the best team. In the but conference. the Chiefs 
defense, we're like totally off this division now, but like the Chiefs defense has a ton of holes. Like you can definitely look at the defense and be like, ooh, that's bad, that's bad, that's wrong, you know, whatever. The difference is Patrick Mahomes, right? And, but they've got also like the, you know, like goodness, like we're the Bucks wide receiver group is like 20 dudes deep. The Chiefs is not. So no. there's the Chiefs are, it's it like this exercise of picking nits, it's definitely more, um, like you can really talk yourself into like, oh, if the Chiefs lose one guy, this could be a problem, right? You can't do that with the Bucks, other than quarterback, I think. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think th- like they're the sure bet to win 12 games for me, the Bucks. Also, they the get Chiefs. to play all these defenses we've just been trashing for the last 45 <laughs> minutes. The Chiefs have to, get play to play the, the Broncos. Plus. Yeah. All right. That was depressing. Let's wrap, as always, with five quick questions for our guest. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? I'm going to go pretty rapid fire here. Question number one, should the Seahawks extend Wayne Brown? Yes, you have to extend him because you have to keep Russ happy. Whether it makes sense like from a salary cap situation or a football playing situation because he is getting older, I'm signing him no matter what. Because if you don't, what does Russ say to that? And what does he do? Dwayne Brown's also awesome. I know he's old and I know you shouldn't give extensions to dudes like, what is he, like 36 or something? But like... He's he has sustained such a high level of play that like he does feel like the Andrew Whitworth got type, you know. Um, and by the way, he ranked yeah, second behind Andrew Whitworth in uh, pass block win rate amongst tackles. Like even like Trent Williams, who's getting up there, yeah. like he's still very good. And he was a guy that relied on athleticism. Like he's he was good technique wise, but he was like a freak athlete at the beginning of his career, and his game hasn't fallen off either. So I think at that position, you can afford Great to point. take that risk. Yeah, especially I agree. if it means keeping your franchise quarterback happy. <sighs> okay, outside of the Bucks, let's say all this stuff. Question two: All the stuff we've been talking about that could go wrong with the Bucks happens. Who's more likely to win the NFC, the Rams or the Packers? I'm going to take the Packers. I've been kind of low on the Rams this offseason. I think. Really? Also, the Rams have to play in yeah. the NFC West, so that hurts. That's another good point. I I really think that losing Staley is going to matter more than people think. I know that Donald and Ramsey are the two, probably the two best defensive players in the league, maybe the two best defensive players of the last five years. But, but I just think it, it it was going to take a step back anyway. Like statistically, there was going to be regression. I think you, what they did with that scheme on early downs, I think it allowed them to do stuff on third third down. And I don't, I don't know if they're going to get to that point where they're going to be able to get that creative on third down. And that's really where they shine. Like their third down efficiency was out of this world. I don't think they're going to be able to have those favorable down and distances again. It's fair. Question three, are you going to watch bachelor in paradise? How did you see the preview? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm watching it. 
did you see like I'm I'm actually hyped for it because we didn't get it last year, right? Oh, and the preview it, did, you know, historic. They were like a historic Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> it's been two years. Can't wait. The one the one snippet that has me excited was who is the guy that dressed up as the cat in this past season? Connor B. I forgot his name already. Yeah, he's like drunk on like a couch and singing the almost paradise song. I don't know if I could sing it on here because you might get sued. But he's like singing the theme song to the show drunk on a on a couch. And I really want to see how that happens. So meta. Um, did you see uh, Becca, the bachelorette is going on? I was surprised by that. Didn't see that in the cards for her. Oh, did she leave the uh, the problematic guy? Yeah, she did. They broke up a while ago. God, catch up. Okay, uh, question I don't four. Keep, I don't um, Kyle Shanahan, speaking of Bachelor, I made a joke about this. Um, God, I, someone told me stop referencing your own tweets on your own podcast, but it's relevant. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said that Trey Lance, he was like, uh, like I could see him playing like he's going to play and it, it to me reminded me of like the bachelor when they say i could see myself falling in love with you okay i'm falling in love with you and there's like that sort of progression right okay so now the latest is that trey like might be used in some packages do you think that's stupid like does that ever work i was thinking back to no lamar. it's never worked remember with the ravens lamar and it was just like so awkward whenever he was on the field and everyone's like what are they doing it like doesn't work all that well with Taysom Hill either and he's like the guy right he's like the guy you point to and be like that's the the model we're going after no just let him play mm. just let him play and i feel like the i'm falling in love with you thing was like a big deal on this season so maybe kyle was watching and he like <laughs> picked up some like wasn't it bigger this season than it has been in the past? yeah like yeah that, semantic? i was like i made a rule for myself i'm gonna wait until the finale to say i love you i mean you're starting um okay wait, wait question. are you team greg or Team Greg or Katie? Well, if you want to find out, you can check out my appearance on the Vile Files, uh, where I broke down the finale with Nick Vile. Um, check it out, iTunes. All right. Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Lenny knows you for the Panthers. He wants to know if it would hurt more if Justin Fields or Teddy Bridgewater outperforms your starting quarterback. Oh, I'm already ready for both of those things to happen. It would hurt more if Sam Darnold was good. So messed up. I, I don't want optimism about this team ever again. I'd rather, I, like, I like this little, like, niche I've carved out Sicko. in my Panthers fandom. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.